Hi, everybody. I have some exciting news. I am launching a Substack. I know. I keep telling you how I'm not a writer, and I'm still not a writer, but I am going to be writing about reading over on Substack. The Substack is called Unstacked, and you can find it at tracythomas.substack.com. There will be free options every Friday. There'll be a bunch of weekly roundups, announcements, all the shit I'm into. And then if you want to upgrade yourself to the paid subscription, I'm going to have author interviews, bonus episodes, anticipated reads, book pairings, community chats, all sorts of stuff. So, If that sounds like something you'd be into, go to tracythomas.substack.com and join Unstacked. And of course, I've got a special offer for you. If you go to tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10, you get 10% off your first year membership of Unstacked. You have from now until April 4th to redeem. Again, that's tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10 for 10% off Unstacked. Okay, that's enough. Let's listen to this episode. Welcome to The Stacks, a podcast about books and the people who read them. I'm your host, Tracy Thomas, and today our guest is author and screenwriter Gigi Levangi. Gigi talks to us today about her latest book, Been There, Married That, her life in Hollywood, and of course, books. So listen, this episode was recorded before COVID-19 was really top of mind for many Americans, and I hope that it provides a little distraction for all of you in this time. If you're feeling like you want to help out, I have left a link in the show notes for Feeding America. They're a nonprofit that fights hunger in America and is currently focusing their efforts on children who rely on their schools for meals. So if you're in a position to help out, please do so. Either way, please stay inside, stay safe, listen to old episodes of The Stacks, and wash your hands. Make sure you're following The Stacks on social media as we have some exciting new things coming your way. Our Instagram is at The Stacks Pod and our Twitter is at The Stacks Pod underscore. Everything we discuss on today's show can be found in the show notes. That includes a free month of Audible, our Patreon page, social media accounts for Gigi and The Stacks and a lot more. So check it out. If you're in need of a book recommendation, send us an email at askingthestacks at gmail.com. Myself and my guest will read it on air, and then we'll give you a bunch of personalized book recommendations. So email askingthestacks at gmail.com with what you're looking for and tune in to hear what we suggest. Okay, that's it. Let's do it. Time for my conversation with author Gigi Lavangi. All right, everybody. I'm super excited. I'm here today with Gigi Lavangi. Gigi is the author of several novels, including The Starter Wife, Man Eater, and she's the screenwriter of one of my personal favorite tearjerkers, Stepmom. Her latest book is Been There, Married That. Gigi, welcome to The Stacks. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited you're here. We're going to talk about your book, but I guess first we should kind of start with just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from. I don't know. Okay. Well, first of all, um, just to set the record straight, I have written seven books. It's so funny because they, they put down several on my hardcover. I was like, can I You're get like, credit? I'd like a credit for every single one. I mean, you deserve that. And there was one that wasn't published. So oh. um, basically, I come, I've, been, I've been writing since my 20s. Okay. I'm in my 50s now. And uh, I, I'm from, I went to Hollywood High. I think that's what you asked. Yeah, yeah just where you're early. from. Yeah, it's fine. Okay, I... Um, Born and raised in LA, in Hollywood. You're like a unicorn. East Side. Okay. Okay. Um, so very, very uh, colorful past there. I went to <laughs> Hollywood High. We had an open campus uh, so we could get our drugs and our Burger King. 
uh, anytime. And also there was a, <laughs> across the street from my English class was a motel and, um, you know, with hookers and the whole thing. Okay. So we were studying Shakespeare and like watching. And learning about life. Learning about life. We knew about life way early. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> a certain aspect of life. I love that. That's yes. amazing. So you stayed. You love LA. I do love LA. LA is many cities. It is. And so I love all different areas of the city right. and each neighborhood is its own microcosm. Right. Right. You know, so yeah. there's a lot here. Yeah. I really like LA too. I'm not mm. from here. I'm from Northern California, but we've been here eight years and I like it. You like it? I do. You're I do. <laughs> I, li- I think a lot of the stereotypes of LA, I mm. don't, I'm not, don't, aren't in the circle that I'm in. Yeah. I understand that. So I really like it. And I don't like people, oh, isn't LA so fake or this, or that? I'm like, no, I don't, I don't have that experience. Well, listen, but, yeah, yes. <laughs> I'm going to say, but in your book, hello. Yeah. So you've lived that life. I've definitely lived, but I've always been an outsider. Right. So because of my background, where I come from and I try to stay, um, I don't try to stay grounded. My, my family would knock the <laughs> crap out of me if I didn't. Um, So it's important to to remember where you're from. And I've always been fascinated with rich people behaving badly. Right. Um, Who isn't? Who isn't? I feel like E! has made a whole network of television around that. come on. Right? What's his name? Um, Andy Cohen. Oh, yeah. His whole whole wealth comes off rich people (laughs) behaving badly. Exactly. Uh, I mean, when I lived in Malibu Colony with my... um, my second husband, I call him husband. It's nicer. Um, there was a guy who lived across the street who painted in a parking space in the middle of the night in front of his house. And then when he was in Aspen, he would have, he had cameras, security cameras trained on no. his parking space. So if anyone delivered something and parked there for a few minutes, he would call the security no. get guard. Yeah. It's too much money. It's too much money. Like you, there's got to be something better you could do with That's that. That's why money. God is kind of like money. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'll give it to these people. Um, like and a lot of lack of taste and that, that right. sort of thing. Always interesting to me. I mean, if you walk down Rodeo Drive and you see the faces and the bodies, that's very different from walking like where I where I grew up, like Vermont Avenue. Right. You know. Right. It's a totally different LA. It's a totally it's it it couldn't be more different. I I've always wanted uh, when I I went to the Academy Awards a few times with my my husband and it was so interesting to me because I grew up basically down the street but Hollywood itself seemed like the other side of the country. Right. You know. Yeah, cuz if you're not there if you're an outsider yes. to that space it doesn't matter how close you are proximity wise exactly it only matters that you're inside you've been invited in exactly and you've gotten to go in and Hello. yeah yes. what are the academy awards like so fun are they fun i well <laughs> i had so much fun because i hadn't usually you know you don't eat as much the last <laughs> few weeks ahead of time right? right so you're trying to fit into your versace or whatever right. it is um and you, you have a drink and so you're a little loopy. Right. And I think I grabbed Hugh Grant's ass, you know, something. <laughs> oh I mean, God. that's sure. who I am. Why not? That's. I think <laughs> I met Donald Trump there too. This wow. was ages ago. Wow. Yes. A whole different life. It's a whole, you never know where life's going to take you. You do not know. Um, and that's why you're 
you, you kind of be kind on the way yeah. up because the way down, you never know. You're gonna it could be really bumpy. People. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As we're finding out, Weinstein. Yes, exactly. Um, wow. Yeah. I mean, wow. Yeah. Well, people who are listening, you're hearing this in March, but we're recording Sorry, the day after mm-hmm. the uh, New York verdict. Exactly. Yeah. So I always tell my kids, it's how you end things. Yeah. The beginning can be rocky mm-hmm. in life, on a project, whatever you're doing, mm-hmm. school. But keep in mind how you're going to end you Got to stick the landing. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of powerful men, they don't know how to... No. How to end it right. They can't no. let go. They well, make right. bad choices. And they made bad choices along the way. Along the way. And then it finally caught up to them. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think that's also like when you think about your obituary, right? What's going to be mm-hmm. that the first line or in the first few lines? Right. You want to make sure that you've done the good things. Yes. So that they end up at the top. Yes. You know, if it's buried in paragraph eight. Yeah. That's cool. That's okay. If that's you did some right. things that end up in paragraph eight, that's okay. But you yeah. don't want that to be mine. Will the start. be like somewhere down there. I, I said I made fun of people who live in rich enclaves. <laughs> <laughs> I think late in yours will be grabbed Hugh Grant's ass at the Oscars. <laughs> it happened. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> It might have been somebody else. I don't know. Before we talk about your book, I just have to fangirl a little bit about Stepmom. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, if you've never seen Stepmom, it's about a stepmom. Mm -hmm. Is that you? Yes. Played by Julia Roberts. Of course, who wouldn't want to be played by Julia Roberts? When you write your own screenplay, you get to say, and Julia Roberts will play me. Yes. Um, and she, I don't, I don't know if it's a spoiler. It, the movie came out in like 98 oh, or something. So spo- yes. I might be spoiling this movie, but she and Ed Harris, right? Mm-hmm. They get married. Mm-hmm. The stepmom is Susan Sarandon. The kids love Susan Sarandon. They hate Julia Roberts. And then Susan Sarandon gets cancer or she yes. has cancer. She and has then, cancer. And, mm-hmm. and then it gets really sad. It's yes. like kind of a fun movie. And then all of a sudden it's like the saddest movie ever. Yes. I just love on it. On purpose. Yeah. I mean, I guess well, such I is life. Well, I always thought, um, what would it be like to have to train somebody to raise my kids? Right. Like your replacement. In and this is before as... I even had kids. Oh, wow. Yeah. So wow. I was thinking about this. And that screenplay I wrote very quickly. Hmm. Because as, as a story, it just kind of is obvious. It writes itself. Right. And I think because it's so basic and it... And it um, it hits us sort of where mm-hmm. we live. Yeah. I think that's why it's been so successful. Also because Julie Roberts, I mean, who wouldn't want her? I know. I mean, that Come on. whole cast is like knockout. Oh, I, I went to visit, I went on the set and I um, couldn't, I shook Ed Harris's hand and I looked away because it was like just temple of testosterone. <laughs> I cannot deal with this. It was right like now. too much swooning. Yeah, it's just too much for me. I love yeah, it. I'm not I strong it. enough. Oh, God, such a good point. Okay, yeah, let's talk about your book. You. I just had to throw that out there because um, your publicist is a good friend of mine, Joseph, who's been on the podcast. I love him. I love Joseph. I know him from New York. And oh. when he was telling me about your book, he was like, and she wrote Stepmom. And I was like, great, send her my way. Happy to do, <laughs> happy to do anything that has to do with Stepmom. Thank love that you. movie. Thank you. Now, let's talk about your novel. It's called Been There, Married That. It's super fun. If you guys look at the cover of it, you know you're in for a good time. The cover totally encapsulates the book, like this, just the vibe. Yes. Um, and it's about a woman, Agnes, who is getting a divorce from a very high-powered Hollywood screenwriter. 
He's a producer. Producer. Yes. Producer. Yes. yes. That's right. Yes. He's a producer. Yeah, and who cares about high-powered screenwriters? I guess that's true. There aren't really that many. <laughs> high-powered producer. And it's about her – basically the book starts – she's written her own book. Mm-hmm. He's nowhere to be found at her book signing. She goes home. She can't get into that, to the gate, into the mansion. And that's kind of where the book starts. He wants a divorce. We take it away. She gets tased. She gets tased it, by as, a security guard. As, as it happens, yes. How much of the book is really based on your life? You know, I always take seeds okay. of what happens in my life. Right. And then, but there are so many other people who tell me their stories. Mm. And some are really harrowing. I don't want to make this, this wasn't a serious, right. dra- dramatic right. book. I wanted to take it and just turn it on its on its side and just have something to, that entertains people while still saying what really matters because her sister comes into the story. What really matters is family sticking together. Right. And at the end, you know, I mean, it's, it's certainly not a tragedy. No. So of course I take little ideas from my own story, like the starter wife that came because I would have these girls nights and there was always, you know, in my, at my house, uh, with, with my husband and there was always somebody who I knew just wanted to slit my throat and move in. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you have to be very careful out there. Right. Um, so that, you know, started off started right. life basically. And, and so, yes, there's parts that I use, but, um, it's certainly not to make anybody, look or feel bad or right. anything like that. Right. And if you read it, you realize that. Yeah. Right. It's really fun. And you do you Thank take you. things that I think are probably universal for divorce or people who are going through yes. divorce and you really can like pump stuff you out, pump up the levels. Like it's really it's like a comedy. It's like um, yes. it's like a Moliere or something, right? It's like extra heightened, which is what kind exactly. of makes it fun and it makes it something that you can laugh at because it doesn't feel like the most devastating thing, even though divorce is yes. and can be, it yes. kind of lightens it up a little bit. And fighting for custody of your children I mean, yeah. is, um, I mean, I had a, a little bit of that, not not a lot, um, but I, I know how stressful that is. Right. I mean, I, I hung out at the courthouse, um, at the downtown courthouse mm. where all the divorces right. take place. Um, and... Uh, you know, a couple things did happen to me. Like when, when I'm being deposed, my when the character is being deposed, um, the lawyer asked her out. Oh, yeah, that happened. Eight hour, yes. No, the opposing attorney. Oh my god! And what did what did you say in the I real said, life moment? Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> because I really said to him, I can't believe you do this for a living. This must be so humiliating for you. Hmm. Because to try to just rip somebody right. apart didn't work. Right. Right. Because I saw cameras and I was like, oh, we have cameras? Right. I wore purple. This is good. <laughs> yeah. It's going to come out. Can I get the tape? Right. <laughs> Let's just cut it together. There were actually cameras at your divorce. Mm. At the deposition. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Three times. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. How- I mean, how do you not use that in some way. I think that's so, it's so interesting. Um, 
it was so interesting to me. And fortunately, as a writer, I can sit outside Mm -hmm. of what's going on. Right. And observe. It's sort of like being an actor. Right. But smarter. I went to I went to theater school, so I can say oh that about God. actors. Okay, I was. It's so funny you say that because I won an acting scholarship in middle school. Oh wow! Uh, yes, to Estelle Harmon's Actors Workshop on La Brea. Oh, and that scared me off of acting right away for the rest of my life. Good, yeah, probably it ended was up better. It was wow. Acting is and nuts. really hypersexualized. I was only twelve. Oh, and the way they. Yeah, it was the 70s. Right, sure. But, you know. Yeah. But the way um, the class was run, um, it was very tactile. Su- right. Super odd. <laughs> I'm sure they'd be in in jail now. But, you know. Right. Um, but, but I do understand the acting thing. And I always thought actors, I, my advice to them was to write your own right. scripts. I mean, if you can listen, which is a big part of acting then you can write, mm. you can write dialogue and right. character, right? you know? Right. So as you were going through your divorce, were you think or this, this one, were you thinking like, <laughs> this, this is going to be, well, this one, cause it's like such yes. a, you know, it's like everyone wants to know the inside yeah, the yeah, Hollywood yeah. divorce. The first divorce was tiny. <laughs> were was you, <laughs> when you were going through it, were you thinking in the moment I can turn this into something or was that something that came later? Oh, that's really funny. Um, <clears throat> I remember there was some, I wrote a book called, I mean, I wrote a book. I wrote a screenplay called Prenup. Okay. And it was really funny because my husband at the time said, if that gets produced, I'm going to see you. I said, that's another, that's going to be another screenplay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was joking, I hope. But that's a way to look at this stuff is to use everything. Right. You know, anyone who's writing, you should use your experience and your imagination. Right. Do you ever feel embarrassed or insecure about people reading this book or any of your books and see like thinking, oh, this is this must be Gigi and not being able to separate? Never. No. No. That's just not um my dad used to tell my staff sergeant dad, <laughs> he would tell me two things. What other people think of you is none of your business. Mm-hmm. And which was pretty good advice for a little fat kid, which I was. <laughs> and then um I was scared of the outside world too. And and the other thing was only boring people get bored. That's a good one. So, you know, you just, it just slaps you right. out of whatever you're feeling. Right. But you cannot, um, oh, somebody, when I, when I was getting divorced from Brian, there was something in the LA Times about it. And a woman at school, she was a little bit annoying. But anyway, she said, aren't you embarrassed? I said, oh, no, not at all. <laughs> I said, I think it, it's going to sell more copies now, don't you think? It might have been about Starter Wife. But see, I would be embarrassed to be her and never do anything in my life. Right. And, and rely on other people. Oh, here I go. Yeah. 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 No, she's, you know, there's a whole um, subculture of people in L.A. and who uh, somehow they live in these houses and they live, you know, but they've never even done anything. They've never right. done anything. Right. So I wasn't born to that. Right. So, so you had that drive. You're going to come with me, come right. at me with, oh, right. I'll tell you what's embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> no, totally. That makes so much sense. So. 
Well, sometimes when I am making this podcast, I'll say something and then I'm like, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. And then I'm like, well, no, it's just who I am. (laughs) I'm not actually embarrassed. That's just something that I really think and feel. But sometimes when you put it out there, there's that moment of like, oh no, people are going to have a response to this, which I think it's less embarrassed and more just I get nervous about the response because sometimes I don't care. I don't want to hear back from you. Do you know what I mean? Like sometimes you'll say something or you'll do something and you'll say, this is me and this is what happened. And then people will come and give you advice. I'm like, this happened 10 years ago. Twitter world. Yeah. You yeah. know, which we're kind of going to get into yes, we are. for the next episode when we talk about you've been publicly shamed. But it is something that is, I definitely have sometimes when I'm listening back and editing, I'll yeah. think, do I really want to put that out there? Oh, yeah. Usually I end up doing it. We all have these second thoughts. About, right. Okay. But um, there's so much information out in the world. And it's like, it's like being on the dance floor in, in middle school, or we used to call it junior high. Nobody's looking at you dancing, right. really. Right. They're all thinking about their own stuff. Right. Um, that's what I say about yoga class. At People least who are nervous to go to yoga. I'm like everyone's I too busy yoga. worrying about how they look and yeah. how they're balancing to be looking at you. Yeah. No one cares about your pigeon pose or yeah, whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but if you touch my yoga mat with your toe, oh, there's yeah. going to be an issue. If your sweat gets on me, it's over. It's, it's done. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have a problem. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Taking care of your health isn't always easy, but it should be at least simple. That's why for the last three plus years, I have been drinking AG1 every day, no exceptions. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day, and it makes me feel nourished and strong enough to tackle whatever else might come my way. That's because each serving of AG1 delivers my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and a lot more. It's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. The nutritional insurance that AG1 provides has been vital to keeping me productive and focused. It helps me cover my bases in just about the time it takes to fill a glass of water, scoop in one scoop of AG1, and then drink it. So I don't know, 75 seconds? With the perfect mix of vitamins, probiotics, and nutrients from Whole Foods, I'm not stuck trying to assemble it all by myself, which would have considerably worse results. AG1 saves me all the time and hassle, and it has made such a difference in my overall mood and especially my gut health, among many other things. But don't take my word for it. Go ahead and try AG1. Let me know what you think. Whether you notice you're needing more nutrient support than you're used to, or you just need an edge for a tough workout, AG1 can be the ticket. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1, and that's why I've partnered with them for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash the stacks. That's drinkag1.com slash the stacks. Check it out. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one-size-fits-all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. 
Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. Okay, so before we move on to the books that you love and the books oh, that you read and all yeah. that, we do this little segment on the show called Ask the Stacks where someone has written in a question and they're asking for a book recommendation. So this comes from, this actually comes from Jack from the Lady Gang. And this, you don't know this, but this podcast is on the Lady Gang Network and Jack's a pal and she's been on the show. So I'm, I'm helping you out, Jack. She said, I'm going to make a new habit of reading before bed and I need recommendations. I feel like my two fave genres are true crime and coming of age. My favorite book is extremely loud and incredibly close. Nothing too difficult or intense since I'm making this part of my bedtime routine. So first of all, Jack, reading true crime before bed and then saying I, don't I make it intense say, is hard for everyone because true crime is intense, but you know what? that. Um, okay. So here's what I came up with for you, Jack. One is called Savage Appetites. It's by Rachel Monroe. It's a book about true crime and about women's obsession with true crime. Oh, that's so it's, interesting. It's so good. It's way less about the crime, so it won't be too intense. So for example, one of the one of the sections is about a woman who became obsessed with the Manson murders and moved into the house on um, Cielo Drive and then contacted the family and became really good friends with Sharon Tate's sisters. And like, so it's about that. It's not about the crimes. Wow. It's amazing. So okay. that's one. Um, the next one is a book called You Only Have to Come Up With One. Don't worry. Okay. I was like, <laughs> you don't have to do a whole list. I know. Um, yeah. what, the next one I would say is called The Girl Who Smiled Beads by Clementine Wamaria. And she is a young woman who was a refugee from Rwanda to America during the genocide. And it's her memoir. It's less about what happened and more about her and her sister coming to America. And there are some really intense parts, but it's really beautiful. And she she has a lot of reflections and we so rarely hear about women refugees. And so I think it's a really nice... Um, Yes. different take on it. And then the last one is just a really true coming of age story called Another Brooklyn by Jacqueline Woodson. It's about um, four young girls in Brooklyn and it's just really beautiful and fun and short and sweet and it's not intense, but it's great. So those are my picks. Anything come to mind that's for you? That's awesome. Um, one that's really light, uh, but so much fun. It's called I Capture the Castle Okay. by Dodie Smith. I don't know And that. it was set, it's set in the 1930s. It's epistolary if i remember she's writing her notebook teenager she belongs to this sort of genteel family who live in this crumbling castle and they're basically impoverished their father was a was a famous writer who's written nothing <laughs> and it's sort of their journey to to survive mm. but it's really it's really fun. It's quick. It's so interesting. It became a movie. It was recommended by Maria Semple mm. on her Instagram. And mm. I love Maria. Okay. She's a friend of mine, but she's also uh, just, she happens to be a terrific writer. I just think it's a really fun. It's, it's not going to be, it's, it's serious because, you know, they're starving. Right. But there's a aspect of fun and longing and, uh, it's just really, good read. So awesome. I think that's mine. Okay. For her. Perfect. Yes. 
Jack. If you read any of those, please let us know. Okay. Now on to your reading life. Here we go. Oh my gosh. We'll start with two (laughs) books you love and one book you hate. Okay. Wow. We always start there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Two books I love. Um, The Great Gatsby. Okay. Classic. As Scott Scott Fitzgerald. I know. It's just the, it's to me, it's the perfect book. It's efficient. It's smart. gets right into the story. It's visual. Uh, I love, you know, the rich, the sad, rich man at the, at the center of it. Um, so it's about wealth. It's about need. It's, there's so many, it covers so many bases. And the other love in the time of cholera, Mm. Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Uh, I read that many years ago, uh, but that's kind of stayed with me just because of, it's so poetic, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, he's one of our our finest, one of the finest writers ever. And then, of course, Charles Dickens' uh, Tale of Two Cities because of his descriptions. You just love the classics. I really do. It's so funny because I haven't – I didn't grow up – I mean, like I said, I went to Hollywood High. I mean, I was in the gifted program, blah, blah, blah. But I feel like we didn't get as much reading done as, say, my, my kids did. Interesting. In yes. So, and I didn't major in English lit in college because my father wanted one of us to be an accountant. And so, so what did you major in accounting? Well, no, no, no. I, poli sci, econ, um, minor, and I was going to go to law school. Oh, wow. Yes. But I did not wind up going, but that's a whole other story. (laughs) Um, I don't, and, but one book I hate, it's so interesting because if I, I don't have a strong dislike of, um, there's no book I, I hate. I wish I had that kind of passion, right. but, um, there are many books that I'll read. The book has been highly recommended. Mm. I'll read 50 pages and it's just like, no, that trying to dance through mud. <laughs> yeah, um, that's fair. So you'll put them down. I put them down. I don't hate them. And occasionally I'll pick it up again right. and, and Do you like, ever end up liking them yes, after that? Yes, there's been a couple, happens. and um, and then I have to blame myself, which mm. is not pleasant. That <laughs> 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 I, I have ADD. <laughs> no, I always say there are books. There is a time to read books in one's life, yes, and sometimes when you pick up the book, it's true. not the right time. I mean, who knows if I would like a tale of two cities today? First of all, our brains have changed, right, drastically, right. So, um, like someone was telling me. I did a book signing um, at her place. She has a for women who write. And when I when I did it eight years ago, I read for ten minutes. Mm. She said today I would maybe have you read for three. Wow, interesting. We don't have the same attention span. No, interesting. Yeah, and I mean we can't all blame it on twins. No, right. <laughs> I can though. Yeah. I can listen to anything you're doing I have great. You're you're a hero for sure. We'll see about that. We'll see what they say about me in fifteen years. You're gonna be not, great. Not she was a hero. You're gonna, she wrote, you're gonna be great. They're gonna be like, she's a mess. Our mother is a mess. Like, it's fine. It's okay. It happens. Um, what's the last really great book that you read? Um uh, okay. Um, I loved Less by Andrew Shankar. Mm, we did that on the podcast. Did you? We did back in the beginning, like maybe oh episode gosh. like 12 or something. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know. That was a book I read 
10 pages. I put it down, not because I was bored, but I wasn't quite getting into it. And I picked it up and read it straight through. Hmm. And I think there are several reasons that it appeals to me. It's, um, I love, I love his writing. Mm -hmm. I think his descriptions are incredible. It's, it's like dancing on paper. Yeah. You know, it's something I wish I could do and I, I aspire to. Mm. Plus, it's the, it's like it packs a wall up in this slim volume. Mm-hmm. I think if you can write, uh, the less that you write, but the more that you can put in is ideal. Yes. Like, and sometimes publishers will tell us, you need 336 pages Kind of going, eh. But it's a 270-page novel. Right. It's a 200-page story, so I don't have to add pages. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's, it doesn't help the book. Right. Um, what do you do in that case? Oh, you try to compromise. You say, I'll give you 50 more. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you try to compromise and you um, without losing the thread of the book and the, right. the power of the story. And, right. You know. And why do you think that the publisher would want a book just to be longer, just to be longer. What is that about? I think they need it within a certain number of pages. Mm. And I'm not sure exactly the reason I can guess. But Okay. I wasn't sure if it's like ever I'm been not communica- a publisher yet. communicated to you. Not yet. <laughs> you could be soon. <laughs> exactly. Um, what are you reading right now? A few things. I'm reading, well, They're There by, t- did I bring that? Tommy Orange. Tommy Orange. <sighs> so good. I love that book. I love, I, I just started it, but I love what it's, what I know it's going to be okay. because I'm so interested in displacement mm-hmm. and not belonging. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we all feel that way, right? But, but I feel that way. I don't. I don't mind it, but I feel that way a, a lot. It's, yeah. it's an interesting thing. And then I always have a financial book going. Oh, interesting. Yes, I huh. <laughs> always. Which one are you um, reading now? It's called The One Thing by Gary Keller. Okay, who um formed Keller Williams many years ago. The real estate. Yes. And it's basically that you should focus whenever you can on the one thing that will make everything else easier or go away. Hmm. Um, I mean, I could go further into it, but I think I was always taught by my father. My mother was around too, but she was a principal. Okay. (laughs) She was not giving life lessons. Yeah. My dad was the life lesson. Got it. Got it. Um, But if you get one thing out of these books, he started me on like the um, Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance. Oh yeah, yeah. Like he, someone was talking about that on the show not long ago. All those books. Okay. So I'm always I always have something going um, in the se- like self help, but there is no help for me anymore. I'm 57. <laughs> uh, I'm good. I'm still here. Yeah. But um, in terms of finance. I'm really always curious about it. Interesting. Yes. So you can read multiple books at once, obviously. Yes, but they have to be totally, totally different. different genres. Totally different. Do yeah. you ever do audiobooks or? Okay. I did audio. I have done audio, not as much. Um, I really like, my favorite is hardcover. Yeah. It's my absolute favorite. Yeah. I love the feel of it. Yeah. Totally. And somehow it feels like the experience is what makes the reading mm. sometimes. Um, and also... There's a little more pressure to read it if you have a hardcover. Because you don't want to carry it around? You get, well, probably (laughs) that, but also it's just more of an investment. You've invested money. Mm. You're investing space. Mm. Right. um, But paperbacks are so fun too. Ebooks are my least favorite, but I'll 
I'll download the uh, the finance stuff on the ebooks. Okay. Yeah. And I always have um, something going for a plane ride or something yeah, like that. Yeah. On an ebook. Yes. Okay. I see. But I still bring hardcovers for yeah. me too. I just got an e reader not even a year ago. Really? And I'm actually starting to really like it only because of the light. So because I have these small children who live in my house now, tiny, tiny. They're still in our room. And so. If I, so my book light that we normally, I normally yes, put on my book, yes. we put it on the changing table so that we can see them at night, night Got it. when we change them. So then I can't read after, I, this is like really right. inside baseball, but I can't read after I'm up pumping and feeding them oh and gosh. I need it to go back to sleep because I kind of get like the adrenaline. So I started using my Kindle yes. at night because it has the light. And that it doesn't, it's not killing me anymore to use it. Whereas normally I would be like, I hate my ear, but it just makes my life easier to do it that I, way. I and the audio books too are way easier because I can yes. do that while I'm feeding. I can like be listening, yes. which I never used to read. I used to read like maybe one audio book a month. Mm-hmm. Now I'm like three or four. Wow. That's great. Yeah. I listened to some of this actually. Oh, um, really? I did. I did listen to oh, some. Oh my gosh. I liked her. You're, this is, I'm talking about been my there. My husband Marcus. listened to it. Yeah. I yeah, liked, really liked, I liked the person. Yeah. She was good. She did a lot of different voices. She had a really good one for Finn, which I liked. Your sister. Oh my gosh. Character. I, have, I have to listen to my own audio book. I'm so embarrassed. You know, oh. Uma Thurman was the audio book reader for Maneater. How cool is that? How crazy Did you get that? to meet her? I met her through oh, okay. uh, other people in New York a long time ago, but we had wanted her for the lead. Oh. I mean, that's that's a whole Hollywood, what happens with books once they get into you right. know, the system. It's interesting. But um, but yeah, I like, I, I, I like it all. I do listen to a lot of podcasts. Me too. So that takes up my time too. That's my preferred thing to listen to. But when yeah. I'm in a time crunch, I need to finish something of or if course. I caught up on all my podcasts, Yes. usually on the weekend, I listen to audiobooks. So I've caught up on everything during the week. Can I ask you a question though about the light with the new, cause I have an old Kindle. Okay. Does it bother you because, you know, they have the blue light? I know they have not the really. Yeah, because you're not supposed to right. look at. Right. No, it helps me fall back asleep more than okay. anything. Really? I'm okay. sure that the light probably keeps me up longer also, but I can't always fall right back asleep if I've been woken up by crying. And, you know, it's like you wake up and then you have to feed them. And oh, then God. it's like 30 minutes later. So you're really awake. Yes. So I'm like, okay, what can I do to fall back asleep? So I'll- I can't believe how awake you are right now. <laughs> Like, <laughs> we'll see. We'll I'm see. amazed. Oh my gosh. Okay. Enough about my reading okay. and my pumping and my life. See, that's what I do. I turn, I turn it around. I'm going to interview you. That's it, fine. It's fine. My <laughs> listeners are like, shut up, Tracy. No, no. one's here for you. Um, okay. How do you pick your next book? Like the next thing you want to read? Um, okay. There are, there are several. Ways. Okay. Okay. Number one, friends. I don't belong to a book club. I have try that. I really want to, Mm -hmm. but usually what happens is I'll read the book and then nobody, nobody else will, or they, they warn me ahead of time. We're not going to, I'm not going to read it. That's in your book also. That's been there. (laughs) I caught that. I was like, very LA. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's also, people are so busy and all that kind of stuff. So, but friends, um, social media, there are certain writers I really trust. Mm. And, and and now they're like uh, Maria Semple, for example. She's always recommending books that I... That you love. I love. Um, but 
I find it really helpful to actually go to a bookstore mm-hmm. and just look and touch, look at the jacket. You just don't know what you're going to discover. Right. So it's like there's buried treasure in there. Right. Um, I always ask the bookseller, what are you reading? Or what's a book that you're really excited about? That's great. Because they rarely question. tell me a New York Times bestseller. They rarely tell me, you know, they usually come up with either something new or something really obscure. Yes. And it then it moves you to a different part of the bookstore, even yeah. if you don't get their book. I've always liked people who work in bookstores anyway. Me I too. feel like on some level, those are my, that's my tribe. Right. Well, you, you mentioned know? Book Soup in your yes. book. Yes. And that's one of my favorite bookstores here in LA. Love I it. love all the little, they have the little tabs where they write what they thought about the book. Yes. And the whole store is like covered in them. Yes. I love it. Yeah, it, I mean, it's totally authentic and it has yeah. integrity because of that. Um, I was just there the other day. I was just there signing books. And mm. it's so funny because what I wrote on my Instagram is so true. I mean, I grew up on the Sunset Strip right. you know, from the time I was a teenager. Right, right. Like, I, I danced with Prince and Whoa. and I know, uh, and Rick James. Wow. <laughs> at uh, Carlos and Charlie's 16. When are you going to write your memoir? Oh, well, you know, my first book called Rescue Me, um, that was a coming of age story, but it takes place a little later. Mm. But that is basically sort of a, a much more gritty take on the whole um, Hollywood lifestyle, but the other side of it and Laurel Canyon mm. and drugs and all the things that I um, experienced. But I think I think that's probably, you know, at, at some point, you know, the girls of Sunset Strip or something. Yeah. Because it's, and it's changed so much. It's so different. I mean, not to be like, you know, the old nostalgic. No, person, but it has but, changed. But all the condos instead of like the restaurants that used to be there or Spago right. or this, you know. Right. I mean, yeah. Tower Records. I know. Or not close. That was a bummer. That was just a few years ago. Yeah. Like two. It's still there, you know, with. Right. Elton John did a concert on it with Lady Gaga recently. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah, like a few, maybe a few years ago. I say recently, but it could have been as many as three or four years ago. Recently to me means five years. Ten years. (laughs) (laughs) It means something that I can remember in my lifetime. (laughs) Um, Do you ever set any reading goals for yourself? No, my only reading goal is basically to read at night before I go to sleep for about um, at least a half an hour. Yeah. You know, that's good. And, and you get it in most nights. Yes. Unless like I had a, I had a problem with Schitt's Creek mm. because that took up my reading. <laughs> it was so good. Netflix is always getting in the way of reading. I feel it's a problem. I mean, people, um, I was talking to another writer and he's a screenwriter and he said, you know, people at dinner parties talk about what they're watching, not mm-hmm. what they're reading. Mm-hmm. And it didn't used to be Mm-mm. like that, right. even in even in LA. Right, but it didn't. Um, so that's interesting. But I don't usually like to uh, binge watch. I I feel like I have my father looking over my shoulder, <laughs> saying, "You know, that's going to turn your brains into oatmeal." Right. Like we didn't have a TV basically for the longest time. Wow. Like he did not believe in any of that stuff. So, um, thus, you know, write, read. Right. Play outside. Yeah. Go live your life. Yeah. And if you're in a fight, you know, it's who got the last punch. That's who wins. <laughs> <laughs> I love your dad. Um, are there any things that you wish were different about your reading life? I wish 
that my attention span were better. I wish it was what it once was. Mm. And that's on me. Mm-hmm. Like that's on all of us. Right. right. Because we have our phones. We're carrying around what used to be giant computers now. Right. Hip pocket. So, um, you know, words with friends is kind of an issue. If you okay. ask my My husband. mom too. She's obsessed. I don't have it. What is that? I hate Scrabble so much. Deeply. I love Scrabble. Oh my God. Scrabble is like my mortal enemy. I hate Scrabble. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> I, Did Scrabble take your mother from you? No. Well, kind of. <laughs> Words with Friends has. No. My brother is like super competitive and oh. he's a good speller and he's yes. good at Scrabble yes. and I'm not good at it. And he used to just like be mean about always winning. And then I was like, fuck this. I don't have to play this game with you. Like I don't have to I'm subject myself yeah. to losing and then getting yelled at I me. Mean, like that's not a word. And like, <laughs> okay, well it feels like a word to me and that's my truth. So I think it's a word. Or yes. he'd be like, don't you know, if you would have put it here, you would have gotten triple oh. word score. I'm like, oh. no, I don't understand this game. Like I just, it's not a game that works with my, my skill set. Funny. And yet you work with words. I do, but I'm a terrible speller and I'm not a writer. I'm a reader. Like I don't mm. write. So it's not You don't write yet. I don't like writing. It's just not something that I enjoy. I like talking and I like reading. Hence a book podcast there you about go. reading. It's so funny because, you know, do I like write I like my routine and I like mm. um having written I I like the quiet. I like the flow. Mm. If you get to the flow. Right. That's what I like about running. I love I used to love running. Yeah, it's that same thing. Like after mile yeah. two, you kind of hit like yes. that good place. You're like, yeah. ah, yeah, I made it. But getting to the mile two. That's exact. I think running and, and writing actually go are very similar. But it's not something I, I walk a lot. Mm-hmm. So it's not that's not something I do anymore. Walking helps the writing too. Right. If you're stuck, take a walk. Yeah, getting moving helps creativity moving. for sure. Yeah. For sure. Interesting how interlinked the body and the mind are. Right. And we don't think of them that way necessarily. Mm-mm. We're not taught to think of them that way. No, but it's really true. Like but I, your body knows and your yes. mind knows. You know, it's like, yes. I need to go outside. I need to go on a walk. I need to do something. I need to stretch. I mean, how did we emerge from the swamp? You know, <laughs> it wasn't right. just our brains. It was also right. our, our bodies. The whole thing in one piece. Yes. Yeah. Okay. We're amazing. We, we are. Humans <laughs> are amazing. I'm learning this now seeing little people. It's like what it changes gift. the way that you gift. think about, yeah, being uh-huh. alive. Yes. Okay. What's the last book that made you laugh? Do You Mind If I Cancel by Gary Gennetti. Oh, I have. I still haven't read it yet. It's funny. It's so funny. Is it? He's funny. He's funny. He's just funny. Yeah. But, you know, um, in terms of books that make me laugh, it's like, well, Helen, all of Helen Fielding's books, Carrie Fisher, I brought one of hers, mm. uh, Nora Ephron. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there's so many people. This one was really funny, I have to say. I have to check it out. And I can't say my own, right? So, okay. I mean, you can. I mean, why not? Plug your own book. <laughs> what about the last book that made you cry? That was a tougher one. Yeah? I haven't had that okay. That's in a okay. while. I might have cried at I Capture the Castle. Uh, okay. It gets emotional. But I don't tend to read books that make me cry. Is that bad? No. Maybe I'm a sociopath. No. Let's, I mean, let's can you cry? John Ronson. Yeah. Are you able to cry? Or are you I'm just, totally. <laughs> as long as you're able to cry. I cry more at like news stories and that's Right. Sort of I, reading is hard for me to cry during reading because it's a little too slow. 
for me yes. to fully get there. Whereas if I watch something- It creeps that, up on yeah, you more. Yeah. But some people really weep when they read. So I always like to ask, what about a book that's- As long you- as they're not crying at my book. No. <laughs> I don't, do you think? That would no. be sad. They oh would need God. help. What about um, a book that's made you angry? The last book that made you angry. Okay. I thought that was going to be the one that you assigned me. Okay. So you've been publicly shamed yeah. by John Ronson. That made me angry for a while. And it wasn't because it was a poorly right. written or right. anything like that. It was because it was so unfair what the cancel culture and what it's done to people. Right. Well, we'll let's save this so for unfair. next week. So, okay. We'll save this. That's yes, we'll save that. But that was probably the last time I got angry. Okay. What about a lot the last book where you felt like you learned a lot? Okay. This is so not sexy. Okay. But um The Little Book of Common Sense Investing by John Bogle. Okay. Should be in everybody's bookshelf. All right. It's about index funds. I know none of this. How to how to invest well, he's the father of Vanguard, which is okay. a huge index fund you know, um company, conglomerate, whatever. But it's all about how the sim- the simplicity of how to invest, mm. how to stay stay in even when it gets rough, without getting dinged badly by you know financial advisors and that right. sort of thing. So hmm. this is the thing. I grew up. I went to all public schools. Maybe I knew two people whose parents were in the stock market. Right. Maybe. Right. I mean, there were whispers. Right. Of it. Right. Had I. Had I known more, I would have been better equipped uh, early on. But my my father did teach me about Vanguard. I was probably in my twenties. Wow! This is the stuff that kids need to know. So true. So much stuff that we learn in school and is it's useless, and so much stuff we exactly like. There's so much stuff that I wish that I knew that someone had taught me that no one teaches you. Like I, it would have been great in high school to learn about doing my taxes. Like okay, what yes. kind of stuff do I need to keep? It's all a mystery, right? Isn't it? Yeah, like what receipts do I really need, and what stuff, and what is a write-off, and how does that work? Like that would have been really helpful because I super did not need to know trigonometry. Yeah, I super did, <laughs> I and I don't remember anything. any of it, of course. But I took Nothing. it. But I don't how about algebra, tri- algebra yeah. too. Did we need that? No, no, because you know what? There is. There's this great invention called a calculator, and you know what? I get to use that. Every day of my life, if I need it. Amazing, I know. I'm not ever in a situation where I have to do math that's so hard I need a calculator and I don't have one. Right. Like, you don't need to figure out how much the waiter gets tipped right. using trigonometry. Right, exactly. That's not like I would have been great through maybe multiplication. I don't even know if I needed division, to be honest. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe, but not really. Anyways. It's so interesting, <laughs> the stuff we choose to right. teach, teach our kids. And yeah, it doesn't make sense. Yes. Um, okay. Are there any books that you feel really proud about having read? I'm trying to think. I read um, Proust, oh. Swan's Way. Mm, that's big. Many years ago, though. That's Could like- I read that today? I'm not sure. Yeah. So the attention span thing. The attention span thing. And, you know, it's just, it weighs five pounds, right? <laughs> what about a book that you're embarrassed that you still have not read? Oh, Ulysses. Mm. James Joyce. I have it. Right. But I couldn't, uh, I couldn't get through it. That's okay. Yeah. I have a, my whole, I have a like 20 page list of books yeah, I have I'm not sure, read. <laughs> I'm sure. I, I mean, that's just one yeah, of many. One of many, of yes. course. Do you have any book that you would assign if you were a teacher in school, speaking of curriculum these days? Well, I would assign like basically a book on finance. I think they, I think they have 
they've really expanded their mm. reading list to include all kinds of people that weren't included when I was in school, right. you right. know, and I think that's fantastic. Right. Um, but I also think that they're like how to invest, like your thing about taxes. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the basics. Right. Um, of being an adult. Of being an adult and also, um, you know, thinking about the future. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at all these. I love sports. And look at all these athletes who all of a sudden are faced with millions of dollars and they don't know what to do with it. I mean, they give them like short lessons. On how right. To That's too, it's too late. Yeah. Um, but if you have, if you can just teach people how to invest and get six to eight percent, you know, not crazy, that mm-hmm. pay back over their lifetime. I mean, there's nothing compared. Right. Right. Yeah. You know? Okay, you can't say yourself for this one. Oh, Who would you like to write the story of your life? Oh, uh, it's so funny. I think, do you know Bruce Wagner? Mm-mm. Um, he's a quite, he's a very gritty LA writer. Mm. Um, he wrote a book called I'm Losing You. He's sort of like um, Jerry Stahl. Okay. Um, and he's a, he's a personal friend. And he's he's an incredible writer. I think he would get the grit mm. and the fun. Okay, so I think him. I love that. All right, last one, last okay. one. Okay, we always do this one. I stole it from the New York Times. If oh. you could require the president of the United States to read one book, what would it be? I'm dying. <laughs> this is the funniest. Do you know? I don't care what book it is. I think he would really benefit just to sit quietly reading in <laughs> right. a comfortable chair with a, with a lamp yes and just just sitting just quiet right any book any book at all <laughs> it doesn't anything. matter anything okay. and no newspapers doesn't don't yeah. have to do that just the quiet i used to make my kids um you know i was raising two boys my batch the third batch, my batch that came out of me. And, um, you know, we'd have our reading time. That would be like half an hour and everything got really quiet mm. and their brains calmed down mm-hmm. and, you know, they were able to enter another space. I think that would be beneficial. Yeah. 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 I think that's a good place I know, to end. I know how I'd raise them. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. He, Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so next week you're back and we're discussing, so you've been publicly shamed by John Ronson. Um, for those of you listening at home, there will not really be spoilers because it's nonfiction, so there's not really spoilers. And we're talking about kind of things ripped from the headlines, but um, definitely check out that book. It's awesome and there's a lot to discuss. Um, and then, of course, Gigi's book, Been There, Married That. It's a novel. It's out in the world now. Go get your copy. Gigi, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. We will see you guys in the stacks. Thank you all so much for listening and thank you to Gigi for being our guest. Also, thank you for Joseph Papa for setting up this interview. Next week, we're back with the Stacks Book Club discussion of So You've Been Publicly Shamed by John Ronson. Find everything we discussed on today's episode in the link in the show notes. 
and get your book recommendations read on air by sending an email to askingthestacks at gmail.com. For more from The Stacks, follow us on social media at The Stacks Pod on Instagram and at The Stacks Pod underscore on Twitter and check out our website, thestackspodcast.com. Make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening through Apple Podcasts, please take a moment to rate and review this show. Our graphic designer is Robin McCright and our theme music is from Tagirajis. This show was created and produced by me, Tracy Thomas. <laughs>